Hey everyone, you're listening to Deacon New World Order, episode 339. In this episode, I'm going to talk a little bit about audio. And I want to talk about audio because in the previous episode, we spoke about ALSA um, and a bunch of utilities for ALSA. And I just I keep feeling like a lot of times people talk about different systems of audio on Linux without really tying it all together. There, there's quite a bit of confusion, I find, about what ALSA is versus OSS versus sound versus pulse audio and so on so I'd like to be able to kind of clarify that in one tidy package which is hopefully this episode so the first thing to understand is that also as we covered in the previous episode is the the driver package for sound on Linux it's your primary source of communicating with hardware the, the hardware the audio hardware of your computer and that's what ALSA provides. That's a, a very important task, and it is something that ALSA brings to your computer. So if, if you have a computer and you've installed Linux onto it, and your audio hardware doesn't appear to be recognized or compatible, then quite possibly the problem is with is is that whatever ALSA is providing you is insufficient, whether it's because you need to update also itself, maybe you need a, a newer distribution with with updated drivers, or whether it's simply because the laptop is just it's too new, and and there's some exciting new audio card that came out that also hasn't had time to write a driver for, or that isn't covered by an existing driver in also. So that's that's the thing to I guess blame in the nicest way possible when audio hardware isn't apparently recognized by your computer. Now, whether or not it's not, whether it's actually not being recognized or whether you just haven't configured it correctly to be your your audio source, your input or output source, is a completely different question. I'm just saying that if you're thinking about audio drivers and Linux and you're, you're used to maybe going to somewhere to download specific drivers for that card, that's not really something that you you would do typically in Linux. It, it's something that would just be included in the also package. Now I'm free to, uh, I'll, I'll freely admit that there are probably exceptions to that and some maybe very specific hardware device maybe does have specific drivers for it that, that you might install. I mean, I'm not going to say that's out of the realm of possibility, but in terms of grabbing a laptop off the shelf and installing Linux, the thing that provides audio interactions, or interaction with audio hardware, rather, that's going to be basically also. That's what you're going to look at for, for for trying to figure that out. And it's the figuring out part that can get tricky, and, and I do want to cover that in this episode. Before we get there, let's let's talk a little bit about the different com- uh, a different component. So also is, is directly talking to the hardware. So what is talking to ALSA? Well, traditionally, and by traditionally I mean like maybe 10, 12 years ago, there wasn't anything talking to ALSA. You were talking to ALSA. So when an application wanted to play a sound on your computer, it would talk to ALSA directly and say, hey, I'd like to use that audio card now to play a sound. And ALSA would hand over control or, or, or open up access to an audio device, to whatever application is requesting it, and it would play a sound. That's that's how it was done, and that doesn't it doesn't matter whether we're talking about audio waves, like actual you know audio waves, like vibrations in the air and stuff, 
or if we were talking about MIDI signals, which we talked a little bit about in the previous episode as well, they're, they're, or not a MIDI signal as well, I mean, yes, a MIDI signal, but also, um, a synthesizer, like a, a sound that is being synthesized by the audio card itself. So whether you're talking about synthesis or, or a recording that's going to produce audio waves, I mean, synthesizers eventually produce audio waves as well, but what I'm, the, the data that you are sending to that, the audio card could either be a PCM file, or a um, a request to to generate some kind of synthesized sound, and also would would handle that on an application per application basis. Now that became somewhat inefficient, or or people started noticing that that was inefficient at some point, and so there were some systems built to intervene between you and Alsa. One of those systems that was developed was called Jack, is called Jack. That's the Jack Audio Connection Kit. And it is an interface, it's an application that, that runs on your computer, that can run on your computer if you have it installed and, and, and you start it up specifically. And it, it, it manages calls out to ALSA and ensures that everything that wants ALSA's attention gets ALSA's attention very quickly. Jack is very popular among people who are making music on Linux because it enables lots of different applications to to request events to happen, audio events, and Jack deals with ALSA so that those sounds can be heard, ideally without much of a delay. And that's always been kind of the the battle with people making music on any computer platform really is try, try to get that latency down so that the the moment that you make a sound with a, an instrument or your voice or something that that sound is is being echoed through the computer speaker with minimal delay or with minimal latency and the significance of that is because if you are if you are trying to play along with some other sound that's being produced by the computer, you want to make sure that everything's lining up exactly. So if you have a, a, a severe delay between when you're making a sound and when it comes out the speaker, it doesn't sound like it's sunk up to you. So that's Jack, and it's pretty purpose-driven. It, it's, um, it's intended really for exactly the use case that I've just described, and that is when you're, you, you've got this audio setup and you you have maybe something that you're recording through a microphone, you've got some software synthesizers, you've got a, maybe a drum machine all happening on the computer. You need to wire all those applications together into a kind of a virtual mixing board and 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 make all make it so that all those sounds are happening sort of together at, at one time. And that's what Jack does. That's kind of the purpose that 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 Jack fulfills. Now, Jack was a little bit people felt certain people felt that jack was a little bit too specific too, a little bit too specialized um and that wiring little virtual sound cables from one application to your your virtual mixing board maybe that was a little bit advanced or, or specialized and and people wouldn't generally want to have to do that they would they would rather for instance just open up an application and and know that it was going to play the sound that they expect it to play they don't need to, to wire applications together as such. They just need to make sure all the applications are plugged in to that main output on the computer. And 
a little bit with with even more complexity maybe they wanted to make sure that all those that those applications could then be could be wired into some main output that isn't even necessarily connected to that computer so for instance maybe you want to be able to play uh, to send the sound of some application to another device entirely because for whatever maybe you're not in the same room as that computer and so if you're playing sound remotely then you want that sound to be remote you want that sound to be delivered to you over over your connection so in other words maybe you've got your home server upstairs in the attic well you're not going to go upstairs in the attic to to listen to the sounds of 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 a, of a little game that you're playing or or the alert sounds of of applications when they chime at you you want those delivered to the the little terminal, as it were, that you're connected to in the living room. You've got your laptop on your lap, and you're 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 just remoting into that home server. And so people wanted the the ability to send those audio events over a network and deliver them to to some remote sound device. The answer to this came in the form of Pulse Audio. Pulse Audio is another application that runs in the background on a computer and it listens for a bunch of different signals from a bunch of different applications and makes sure that they each get equal time through that audio device. How it does that I don't know. I've never looked into either Jack or Pulse on the technical level. I'm not even convinced I would understand it if I did, at least right now. But that's what it does. It's it's sort of a mixer, but but not one where you have to sort of get in and, and fiddle around with a bunch of stuff the way that you do in, in Jack, uh, and it's it's a bit more than a mixer too because it is it's it's they call they refer to it as an audio server. Uh, to be fair, Jack could probably be called an audio server as well, but or a sound server. But um, Pulse Pulse kind of makes it a little bit more desktop driven, so a little bit less about wiring different application the inputs and outputs of different applications into each other and then out to your out to your sound device and uh more about just getting those applications hooked up to some some output device whether it's local or remote i mean for the record i i I don't mean to separate pulse and jack by saying that pulse can do one thing and jack can do another thing uh jack 2 at least the 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 it's jack 2 confusingly is jack 1.0 um it can send events over the network as well, and we've even seen that also MIDI can send events, certain events, over the network. So, I mean, it's it's, it's not like Pulse is revolutionary in that sense. I think that Pulse instead is revolutionary in the sense that it is it is it has been adopted uni- nearly universally, um, and and for the things that have not adopted it, there's an also plugin for for Pulse so that things can think that they're talking to ALSA, but actually be talking to Pulse. Uh, so that's one thing. And then and the, the intended audience has been very specifically, I think, for the, the desktop user. It's a desktop mechanism rather than, than Jack, which, which really never, I don't think, has ever claimed to be a, 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 the audience, intended for an audience of a desktop user. It's, it's been more, I think it's, it's been acknowledged more as a, a thing that has been geared towards people who need to, as I say, wire applications into each other and then out of each other and then back into the system and so on. Okay, so Pulse. Pulse Audio uh, is is a really, really cool little invention. Um, a lot of people don't like it. 
because I guess they, they just prefer the simplicity of Alsa. But um, I, I will say, as someone who who does a little bit of sound every now and again on a computer, uh, on a Linux computer, um, that, that Pulse is actually quite nice. Um, it's it's really, really useful, and it, it seems to, at least on in my experience, stay out of the way. Uh, and it does kind of simplify a bunch of stuff. It makes a lot of different systems... It, it takes a lot of different systems and kind of simplifies them and sets them in front of you in a way that you can really, really, truly understand. So I, I quite like Pulse myself. Uh, there are those who, who would prefer to just talk directly to Alsa. And, uh, you know, there's there's a certain beauty to speaking directly to Alsa, I guess. But there's also, there are drawbacks. Uh, for instance, it used to be that when I wanted to start, um, if I was starting a sound application like Q-Tractor or something like that, uh, I could be composing music. And then if, if I thought, well, I, I need a little, I need a sound sample from somewhere. So I'd, I'd go on, I'd open up Firefox and go to freesound.org and look for a sound sample. And every single time, if I tried to play the sound sample in Firefox, I couldn't hear it. It wouldn't, uh, it, it wouldn't play because Q-Tractor was already occupying the ALSA slot. So the, the sound card was spoken for, essentially. It wouldn't, it wouldn't let Firefox play a sound. Um, I, if I recall correctly, it was a, that was technically, I think, I, I don't wanna, I don't wanna say it incorrectly, but I'm gonna go ahead and say it with, don't quote me on this, even though I'm recording it for, posterity. Uh, I think that was a technically a bug in Firefox, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. That was actually a, a problem with how they were talking to the Linux sound system. But the the end result still was that you couldn't kind of dash out of your pro audio with some air quotes around that, your pro audio environment and do something that was not pro audio easily. Uh, there were ways to pause and and hook things into another thing and you know you could generally get around it but it was the user experience was a little bit painful. Uh and and I have to say I think it's gotten a lot better now. Um I feel like there's been a couple of times where I've I've had a laptop or something with with some weird audio interface problem but generally speaking it just all kind of just kind of magically works now between Alsa's de- de- uh, hardware detection and Pulse's ability to dumb that down for me and make sure that all the audio inputs and outputs are are clearly labeled and clearly um, clearly discoverable by by the user. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about how you can make sure that you understand Linux audio because if if I had a um, well probably realistically like a thousand dollars or something for every time that I've heard that Linux audio is too hard or it's inconsistent or or it just won't work or whatever then I'd be a millionaire um, possibly less probably maybe a hundred dollars per time I mean it's been a lot of times but I, I also don't want to underestimate how um, how big of a number a million is but either way point being I've heard this a lot people seem to love to complain about um, audio on Linux, as well as usually something else like video on Linux, um, or or really Linux in general, um, it, and it typically happens under a high pressure situation. That's usually where this this sort of ugly complaint rears its head. It, it's usually in a conference room or at a presentation being given, and and something's not working, 
and it needs to be working like right now and it's not so you kind of you, you default to well you know this linux stuff and this open source stuff it's just it's not as easy as such and such and i, I just haven't found that to be true However, that said, if you're not familiar with how audio is um, delineated on on Linux, it can be tough. It can be difficult, um, and and it's kind of a big. It's a big sort of. It, it's a big complex thing in terms of how to get it all straight, because we can we can conflate a bunch of unrelated things together and make it complicated, or we can deal with these things as separate issues. And that's that's what I'll do right now. So the first thing to do on a computer, if, it, if this is your computer, or if you're going to be dealing with this computer for an extended amount of time, the first thing that you're going to want to do, if, if you're starting to think about the audio system, is forming a meaningful bond with the hardware, the actual physical audio devices of your contained in your computer now on laptops a lot of times this is like one port maybe two if you're lucky which means that uh, you probably have a headphone jack that probably doubles as a microphone jack that's a pretty common thing these days not all of them there are some that uh, are sort of holding that traditional line of having a hardware um, port uh, rather a, a headphone port as well as a microphone port like a separate port so you have two two ports one for input one for output but typically or or, or these days i see a lot of uh, laptops that just reduce all of that down to a single port kind of the way that cell phones do uh and they have they have the option of using one of those three striped uh headphones uh with the it's got the uh, mono stereo and input um, uh, options so that's a pretty common thing and then on desktops a lot of times you have well a lot more um, at least in my experience again I mean I've, I've never bought a desktop um, out of a store before but I have well I mean that's not entirely true I did back in university um, but th that wasn't back that wasn't i hadn't discovered linux yet so that doesn't it doesn't have meaning really in this context so i've never purchased a a pre-built laptop from a store i've i've built my own um and the the motherboards that i've always chosen have um like six audio six audio uh ports in the back and then like uh, it looks like two here in the front so the, you, you've got sort of it swings wildly the other way point being you want to get familiar with those ports you want to know where they are you want to see what they claim they provide and just kind of get get a good idea of what you're dealing with on the physical side and i think a lot of times we skip this over because we think well the only one i care about is this stereo one here you know just the, just the output that's the only one i care about so we think to ourselves, well, okay, we have one, we have a stereo output, we have the output one that's it's plugged in, and, and that's that's all I need to know. And that's not really all you need to know. You should know, even the ports that you don't care about, you should know that they exist, because you're going to have to know to ignore them, essentially. Okay, so knowing, as we do from also utils, that there's the a play command, and that's a play dash dash list, I think 
nope, just dash L, sorry. Uh, and that lists all of the playback hardware devices on your machine. Again, if you don't have a play command available, then you need to install also utils. If you're on Slackware, certainly that's already it's already there. But if you're if you're not, then you might have to install that separately because uh, in modern computing, it seems everyone assumes that you're not really dealing that directly with ALSA, and, and so you don't, in theory, need the utils for that. And you may not need the utils. ALSA utils is, a, it's, it's great for that low-level investigation, but frankly, you may be able to just open up your pulse uh, mixer, your, your sound settings, and look at what pulse tells you. So first we'll, um, we'll look at ALSA, and then we'll look at pulse. So ALSA, the A play dash L, for me, lists three different cards, but those cards are spread across uh, something like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, something like seven entries. And that can be confusing as well, because why are there seven things? And you might think, well, you said that there were six ports in the back of your computer, so that's probably related to this. Actually, it's not. So here's what we have to, to work with. We've got uh, card zero. I've got as my analog output device. Card 0 also contains a digital output. And then card 1 is labeled as my NVIDIA card. And there are a bunch of HDMI outputs listed underneath that. And then finally card 3, we skip card 2. Card 3 is uh, Plantronics, which is the microphone, or the, um, well yeah, it's the headset with a microphone but it also has ear, uh, headphones uh, that I'm using to record this this podcast right now. So remember, A play is just playback devices. So these are output devices. So I know that I have an analog output and a digital output on the built-in sound card. The only reason I know that's built-in is because I kind of recognize the serial number or the the vendor code ALC887. I kind of feel like that's. Um, vaguely familiar. It's also H-D-A-A-T-I-S-B. Uh, those are just strings of, of random letters and numbers, seemingly random letters and numbers, that I've come to associate with the, the, the sound cards that are built into modern motherboards. Also through the process of elimination, right? I've got HDMI. I know that's not the one that I'm personally using, and I know I've got the Plantronics one, which I, I, I recognize that. Now, the Plantronics one also identifies itself as a USB audio device. So of, of all known hardware devices here, I've, I've kind of established that I've got HDMI, I've got uh, the Plantronics, and, and then I've got the, the physical ports, the, the traditional physical 3.5mm um, slash 1 inch uh, audio jacks, or audio ports. Okay, so what has that told us? Well, it's, it's just given us a, a little bit of a layout here. And you know from uh, the the um, previous episode that we can look at a mixer to get an idea of what each of those cards uh, actually contains. So we can do also also mixer, but I have to do it as root. And it delivers me to Pulse Audio, as we discovered in the previous episode. But if we hit F6, it lists 
the unique, the, the separate cards, and these mirror what we got in A play dash L. I've got zero being an HDA ATI SB device, so that's the built-in one. I've got the card one being NVIDIA. Now I do have a card two here, and that's the um, the the camera, a webcam that I have hooked up to my uh, desktop right now. It didn't come up in, under A play dash L because it's not actually a playback device. A mixer is showing me both capture and playback. And then three is Plantronics. So I'm just going to go back up to card zero and look at um, card zero. And there you've got a bunch of different, you've got a full list of all the different options that this seemingly simple built-in audio device that was just one little, you got one mention in my A-Play-L. There's a whole spectrum of different options here. There's the master volume, there's the headphone volume, there's a PCM device volume, there's front, front mic, front mic again, surround, center, LFE side, and I think more. Yeah, there's more. So there's several screenfuls of, of this thing. I mean, depending on how how long I, I make the screen, the, the terminal that it's in, I guess. But yeah, I've got line in, I've got line boost, I've got the SPDIF, which is the digital um, device, uh, side of the card. I've got auto mute and then loop back and rear mic. Wow. So there's a lot of entries there. Now, those are all really important. And if you're having trouble with your sound card or getting sound out of the thing that you think you should be getting, then this might be something that you would want to look at at some point. Ideally, you don't have to look at this in today's day and age, but there it is. That's the, that's the delineation of all the different kinds of uh, routing mechanisms available on your audio card. So if you've got your, I don't know, computer speakers plugged into, uh, I don't know, let's say the, the, the black colored port on your computer and you're not hearing sound, you might want to go into also mixer, go to that sound card and try to discover what actually is routing sound out to the, the black port. If then you could unplug the speaker and plug it into the green port and do the same thing. Find on your also mixer what that actually is, what what that maps to. And sometimes there's some kind of clue on the on the computer itself, especially desktops. A lot of times they come with little labels, and then I tell you, well, this is the surround sound port, or this is the left, this is the right, you know, and so on. Um, or it might just be little icons that mean nothing to you. But if you want to discover what those are exactly, the way to do it, I'd say, is put on some some sounds, some music or something. Plug a speaker into each of those ports and fiddle around with your also mixer to see what channel the also mixer is labeling each port. And then if you're going to be doing this often, I don't think it would be a crazy idea to make a little cheat sheet for yourself and just identify, come up with a little map for those those ports and write down what those are. It's on card zero and it's labeled headphone. It's on card zero and it's labeled uh, surround, and so on. So that's also mixer. It's a it's a really it's a really important sort of foren for forensics system uh, for getting to know your computer's uh, sound devices. And I think honestly, that's about half the battle right there is just understanding which audio port on your computer is which, because otherwise you can fiddle around with volume settings in every single application you have and every control panel you can find if you've got your stupid speakers plugged into the wrong port 
then it doesn't matter what you do. The, the, it's the hardware that's connected wrong. And so that's the, the very first step in any troubleshooting process. I think I don't know anyone who would argue with that is check the cables, check the physical world and make sure that that's, that that's done correctly. Because if that's not, then, then nothing in the software side is going to help you. All right, so that was that's the ALSA command. Let's look really quick at the Pulse Audio side of things. Now, in Pulse Audio, there's um, there are a lot of different, not a lot. There are five different uh, tabs in a typical volume control for ALSA. Now, this is presented differently depending on what kind of front end you're looking at. The one that I tend to default to because it is the thing that comes available on Slackware is PAVU control, P-A-V-U control. And it's a control panel, a graphical control panel, GTK. There are five tabs on it from right to left, confusingly. Configuration, input, output, recording, and playback. I say it's confusing because in a way that's the opposite way that you have to configure it. When you're using it, I think it makes a lot of sense. Playing and recording being the first, the leftmost tabs makes sense because that's where generally you're going to hang out as a user. But when you're first setting up your computer, really you're going to default over to the right, which is the configuration tab. And it's kind of the simplified version of, or not even simplified, really. It's kind of the version of A play dash L. That's pulse audio configuration is A play dash L, essentially. Uh, for instance, in my configuration screen, I see that I've got an HDA NVIDIA card, which uh, it's turned off right now, or rather the the profile for it is is, is set to off for Pulse because I never play anything through uh, my HDMI on this computer. I've got built-in audio. That's the kind of generic code word for that horribly ugly ALC887 or whatever it was uh, in ALSA. So built-in audio. It's pretty explicit, really. I mean, it's or descriptive. It's it's the the audio that's built in to your computer, and that sh- is is set. And the profile is analog stereo duplex, and that's significant because that means that it's going to play in stereo over the analog connection, but that is it's capable of output and input at the same time. So it's 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 doing both of those things. Duplex. That's a really important setting. If if you're having trouble recording something onto your computer. It may be that your built-in audio is not set to accept input, and that you need to set it to duplex so that it can do both of those things. This also shows me my webcam that I mentioned earlier that we saw in also Mixer but didn't see an A play-L. But I, I suppose if, if I did an A record-L, I would see it. And yes, I do. It's listed as card 2 in A record-L. So in, in Pulse, it's listed as a webcam, and it is set to analog stereo input which is correct. It is. Uh, it has a microphone on it, but it doesn't have little speakers on it to play back uh, sound. And then, again, there's the Plantronics device, which I'm using to record this podcast. So that's the configuration setup, and, and all it really is is a list of... It, it's the output of, of A play and A record combined, and it offers different profiles so that you can configure it quickly to do what you want it to do. This is essentially a shortcut to going into also Mixer and fiddling around with all the different channels yourself. You don't have to think about the channels. You simply tell, for instance, that built-in audio, tell it to be analog, stereo, and duplex, 
you know in your mind you can picture the little ascii art of also mixer having the headphone volume turned up and the microphone volume turned up so you've got both the input and the output channels active and on whereas in the the webcam you you know that it's only input but it is stereo so in your little in, in your mind in your little ascii also mixer representation you're going to imagine uh, the webcam having the left and the right channels both turned on and up. And in video, of course, you could imagine all the channels being muted and off. Now, you can kind of drill down into um, in a more detail by going to the left, to looking at the input devices and the output devices, and you, you see the different devices that, that have been identified by configuration, but you see what they're looking at. For instance, um, my built-in audio stereo has the front microphone, but it identifies it. It's, it senses that it's unplugged, and that's correct. That's because the microphone on my system that's active right now, the reason you're hearing my voice right now, is because my Plantronics headphone um, device has its microphone active, and it shows that, indeed, there's a signal right now being transmitted from my mouth into the microphone. My throat, really, I guess. Um, and then there's the webcam, which happens to be on right now, uh, the microphone is on. I could click on that and, and uh, no, I can't turn that off because it has no other options, but I could mute it, for instance, if I wanted to, or I could go back to configuration and tell it to, to turn the webcam off, but I'm not going to do that because I'll forget and then I'll, I'll have to do all of this troubleshooting some other time. So that's output and input, and then there's recording and playback, which are dynamic. And this this can confuse people sometimes because they they think, well, my input devices are listed, but I don't see anything in my playback or recording. And that's just simply because there's nothing actively being played back or recorded right now. So, for instance, if I was not recording a podcast right now, I would not hear, or I would not rather see um, any any activity in the recording panel because nothing's being recorded, right? Well, there is actually. There's something being recorded the audacity and so i actually see that but generally speaking i look and there's nothing in recording that doesn't mean i don't have any recording devices hooked up right now it just means that there's nothing actively being recorded the same goes for playback if there's nothing actively sort of being told that it's going to be called upon to play sound then you're not going to see it listed in playback Output and input, however, are a lot less dynamic. They they represent what's actually connected to your computer as revealed by configuration. So that's pulse audio. And that's kind of kind of how to make sure that that the sound devices you believe should be active are active and sort of how how they're configured really, because um, like I say, if you want to if you want something to accept both input and output, then you have to set it. You have to tell it that that's the thing to do. Now, you can do that in also Mixer, or you can do it in Pulse. Um, they both work. I, I don't see why you wouldn't do it in Pulse unless you don't have Pulse installed. And in that case, you would just do it directly through also Mixer. Okay, so we've got two things that we've done so far. We've, we've looked at the hardware to make sure that the hardware that we think I exists actually does exist. And we've looked at also uh, and potentially pulse and we've mapped the software representation of what the computer tells us exists to the hardware reality to what actually is is physically uh, present in our computer that we can look at and account for so the only really other two things that exist are the the desktop controls 
and application controls. And this is the other sort of messy business that a lot of times gets conflated with that first set of messy business. So the, the stuff that we've just covered is just understanding your computer, knowing, getting to know your computer and understanding how, how its sound is going to work when you, and how you can sort of call upon sound to occur on your computer. But other times, like, let's say you've tested that, you, you've got, you, you've got a, an application playing music, or sound consistently, you've plugged in the speakers, you've you've figured out from Also Mixer and from Pulse Audio what your computer calls those devices, so you know the green output on the back of your computer maps here to the um, line out port of your built-in audio, you're aware of that, you know that that's what that's called, you know that this USB device is called this, so you, you've got all that figured out, you've tested it and it's correct, and then what do you know? The next day you open up some application and you start trying to play a sound and, and nothing happens. Well, that's frustrating. What's going on? Well, there are two different things. So, so probably nothing has nothing's changed on your, on your system. I mean, maybe you unplugged a USB device. That has definitely happened to me. I've definitely done that. I've looked over at my USB port and I've said, the, the one on the top of my desktop, and I've said, okay, well, I've got my USB thing plugged in, cool. Why isn't Audacity picking up my uh, Plantronics headphone? What, what happened? Well, nothing happened. If you didn't do anything, probably nothing happened unless you did. You unplugged the USB thing and plugged in something else. Sometimes I look over, I see it, I think, it's plugged in, why isn't the headphone working? And then I look again, and I realize, oh, that's my game controller that I, was, uh, that I had plugged in, and I ditched my, my headphone. Swap those out. Now you're you're back in business. So if if nothing physical has changed, and it's always worth a check, but if nothing's changed, then it's probably a matter of this other thing, which is your desktop and your application controls. I can't tell you how many times people forget that there are two places that you have to adjust sound. Your desktop, like the thing that you see when you turn on your computer, it usually has a sound control, right? It's got usually up in the little system tray or down in the system tray, wherever you have that. There's usually a speaker icon with some sound waves coming out of it, and you can click on it and r pull a slider up or down to make your sound um, louder or quieter, or sometimes you can even mute it. We've all had to do, do that sometimes, right? You're, it's, it's late at night, you don't want to disturb uh, someone in the, same, in the same space, so you mute your speakers or whatever. And now in the morning you get up and you're trying to play music and nothing's playing. Why? Well, because you muted the thing last night, but it was late and now you've forgotten. So that's that's the desktop sound system. And if you have reason to believe that that's misconfigured, then you can certainly go in and configure it differently. And the way that you usually do that is through some kind of system setting control panel. On KDE4, it is in the multimedia section under audio and video settings. You're probably not using KDE4 anymore unless you're on Slackware. Uh, otherwise, you're using KDE5. It's basically the same thing. Point is that it, it tells you how the Plasma desktop by KDE prioritizes different inputs and outputs. And it doesn't always make sense, to be honest. I've, I've had, I find that sometimes it gets a little bit confused as to what should be higher in priority. And I, I kind of wish sometimes it was almost a little bit more interactive, kind of like like I could maybe remove something that I never ever will use. Of course, the minute you say that, then you come back and then you 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 think, oh, well, I know I said I'd never ever use that thing, but actually I meant 
I was going to use it today, as it turns out. So I guess, I guess my wish is probably not something that's a reasonable desire. So, um, but yeah, it, you go in there, you can prioritize different things, and you can test sounds and stuff like that. So, it's it's a useful thing to do. And in GNOME, there's something similar to that. There's the sound settings actually. It's just pulse really. But point being, you can you can tell your desktop what device you want to control when you're controlling that audio. Um, output and and it will it will ideally do that now the other side of that equation is what the application has been told to do and that's a completely different thing so I mean sometimes certainly in KDE 4 and I feel like I've seen it in KDE 5 uh, certainly the the mixer your your desktop mixer actually displays a bunch of different things so when you click that speaker icon you're not just configuring your primary output you have access to application volumes as well so for instance i have amrock the um the the music playing application idling in the background it's it's uh something that just turns on when i put on my computer because i generally use it to listen to music so it's idling in the background so right now if i click my my speaker icon i have my built-in audio stereo which is my primary output but then i also have Amarok, I have event sounds, and I have audacity because it's even seeing the audacity um, levels. So I could adjust all of those things just from that icon. Now people complain that KDE is too complex, and so you have desktops like GNOME that basically give you two controls, your output and your input, and that's it. So that's fine. Those are two different options for you. Point is, you want to make sure those are turned up if, if that's what you're aiming for. Now Amarok, for instance, is back here, and it has its own volume control. Not all applications do, but generally if it's playing sound, there's probably a sound volume, or a, a, yeah, a volume for that application's sound. Uh, for instance, when you click on a video or, or a sound in Firefox, it brings up that little HTML5 player, and built into that is its own little audio controller. So, and a lot of times that's turned down by default because um, if you're like me at least you've you've configured it such that media doesn't autoplay and if it does autoplay it's muted by default and so on so that's the second part of, of, of this problem is what is your desktop volume set to and what is your application volume set to and you want to make sure that both of those are set to things so that they deliver the sound that you expect if you haven't done that then you've not troubleshooted correctly troubleshot. It happens all the time. It happens to the best of us. There are mute buttons, there are volume controls all over every application. And, you know, you, you can just, you can, you, you can predict on a video call or a, like a video conference that someone, and sometimes it's you, uh, forgets to hit the mute button or forgets to, um, to enable some kind of input for that application or that, that conference software or whatever happens all the time, it happens to the best of us, and it's okay, it's fine. The important thing is to just stay calm and think about what you know. You know about your computer because you've stepped through also Mixer, you've stepped through Pulse Audio, you've looked at the physical connections on your computer, you know how they map to those things, they're active, everything's, you're, you're seeing a signal, and then you look at your desktop sounds to make sure that the, that, that there's nothing overriding any of your of this the the settings that you see in 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 your sound configurations 
and then you look at the application sound and you make sure that those are correctly set. If you've verified those four things, I feel like I can pretty much say confidently that the problem is on the other person's end. Or it might be on the software's end. Something out of your control, potentially. Functionally out of your control. I mean, if it's not open source software, then it may be truly out of your control. Even if it is open source software, though, in the moment of a video conference or whatever, the you know, you're not going to delve into the source code, correct it real quick, compile, relaunch, and be back in business, probably. So functionally, it's out of your control. Sometimes that happens. The software just it, it accepts your audio, it shows you that it's accepting your audio, and it just sends it to somewhere else. Dev null, maybe. Who knows? No one knows. So that's something that you can't control. You also can't control if the person on the other end has done something foolish and is dropping your sound somehow. A lot of times just restarting everyone's computers on all ends is the way to fix it because it generally speaking resets all the all the all the audio settings back to some, some sort of sane default. It's an ugly fix, but you know, when you're when you're dealing with someone who who you can't reach into their computer and and fix their audio settings for them, that's kind of all you that's the best the best you can do. So there you go. That's um, that's troubleshooting audio. Physical, sound drivers, desktop settings, application settings. Pretty much in that order. That's how you want to troubleshoot it. Stay calm. Step through those things. Get familiar and comfortable with both, both also Mixer and Pulse Audio. And trust in the software. Trust me. There's I'm asking you for, I guess, a lot of different trusts, but you can trust me on this. You can trust the software because nine times out of ten when something's not working, it is simply because someone is panicking somewhere and making some dumb mistake, at least in audio. That that has been my experience, uh, and video for that matter. Um, and it, it very often happens when there's there's the sense of of expectation or pressure being placed upon you. You think, well, everyone's looking at me right now, and this isn't working, and everyone's going to start calling out about what they think needs to happen in order to fix the problem, and wouldn't it be easier to just give up and grab a Windows machine or a Mac and plug that in instead, and that way no one will, no one will have a problem because those are, those are closed source, and you can't critique that. Um, those will just work, right? Well, no. In my experience, that's not correct. They don't just work. But everyone's sort of used to how they don't work, and they know the troubleshooting process, and so it goes differently. Whereas on Linux, so many people just don't even bother that there are a lot of people who don't actually do the troubleshooting because they don't know what to troubleshoot. Now, I think we all do know what to troubleshoot. Physical ports, the sound server, desktop application, and then the applications. Make sure those are all properly configured and you're good to go. As someone who deals with audio on Linux very, very often, I feel pretty confident in saying that. So, thank you very much for listening. Sorry there was no coffee break today. I've been sneaking sips of coffee in all this time. I forgot to warn you. I forgot to tell you. Hopefully you weren't waiting for a coffee break and just took it upon yourself to grab a coffee. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next week.
for listening to the GNU World Order Cast. This has been Klaatu. You can reach me on IRC. I'm on the Freenode network usually in channels such as Augcast Planet, Slacker Media, Slackware, a couple of others. My nick on IRC is not Klaatu. You can also reach me lately on Mastodon. My username there is at Klaatu at Mastodon.xyz. Of course, you can email me at Klaatu at member.fsf.org. That's Klaatu at member.fsf, as in Free Software Foundation.org. And of course, you can visit my various websites, gnuworldorder.info and slackermedia.info. I will see you next time. the skin, we know these creatures have an, an outer uh, epifropula dermis, as one might call it. How exactly does this all fit into the scary part? Well, I'm afraid to tell you that these creatures, as we call them, are not dead. They live no longer in the faith of reason, but they lurk outside our universe, waiting always to enter and reclaim their former domain. Sure are weird looking.